Yeah, she she's a dancer at the club. Sorry. Anyway, they they go in and they they. Uh, she's not a dancer. Uh, you're getting your shit fucked. No, no, <laughs> she is a she is a dancer. You're thinking of the H man. She doesn't girl work at a club though. Club. She doesn't work anywhere. She's a no uh, like a no dancer. Matt, just con- just just continue. She's a, she's a famous actress who's no longer or famous dancer who's no longer dancing. Yeah, she's not employed. Just finish the damn thought. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Okay, I think he broke or something. Oh, I think he dropped off. Oh, okay. I guess I'll, I guess I'll take over. So, uh, Matt, Matt is is he the human vapor got him? Uh, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, we thought the human vapor got you. Dude, I was talking, and all of a sudden, I wasn't talking anymore. All right, all right. Anyway, she's a dancer. Okay, continue. Just, no, just... no, I can't. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, don't, don't let us shame you into quitting. Come on. Welcome to another episode of the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. I am your host. My name is Kyle Bird, and I do have a co-host with me as well. I'm I'm eating uh, gummy bears. My name is Matt. Yes, and we have a guest host uh, who hasn't... This is probably uh, his first appearance in a little while, but you know him. You love him. Um, it's our friend Tom... And he is uh, Skyping to us from Texas. How is the weather out there? It's actually finally, finally starting to break a little bit. Okay. It, so, like, I can step outside without, you know, immediately sweating. Oh. Uh, it's, still, it's still, like, in the 70s and 80s here for some reason. Uh, it is October, believe it or not. And I mean, it's 80 here, but, like, that's, like... You know, normal. My kids who are you know uh, born and raised Texans are cold. Ah, see, sounds <laughs> <laughs> about right. Uh, okay. So, um, uh, anything we want? W- our subject today will be mutants, uh, Toho mutant films. However, um, you know what we never talked about? How did this about? not become a, cr- uh, a crossover with the Days of Future podcast? That's uh, Well, these mutants weren't born mutants, so <laughs> I, think, I think that was it. Now, uh, before, we, before we get into that, though, you know what I th- think we should take maybe three minutes to discuss that mm-hmm. I completely forgot about? And Is the prob- guy from Depeche Mode that died? <laughs> that no, that was, uh, that was um, uh, Tragically Hip. 
That, oh, he, he's the guy that does. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Tom uh, Hang on to this episode for like another two days, and I'm sure the guy from <laughs> will die. Yeah, at this rate. Um, Celebrities are just dropping like flies. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, I realized that we talked about Godzilla anime news, but we never talked about the Pacific Rim Uprising trailer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's to, what's to talk about? Well, I think that there's a reason that we <laughs> forgot to talk about it. <laughs> Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty transformer like. Pretty transformer. I would say more power. It, it gave me more of a Power Rangers vibe than Transformers. Either way, um, I'd even- say that because the Michael Bay colors in the the CG, like the that specific color palette that you're used to with Transformers, seems like they went away from the original Pacific Rim color palette, and they just lots of oranges and teals and eh, whatever. It's you know. Well, I, I think Guillermo del Toro's hand is I, you. You can feel the absence even in that trailer. Um, I don't know. I I wasn't too impressed with it. I do love Pacific Rim though. Uh, where are you guys on Pac Rim? I love the first movie, and I was I was like full steam ahead on Pacific Rim 2. I was like one of the people who like every time it got pushed back or then it was shelved that one time like and they were like uh it might never happen. I was like the person who was like this sucks. We can't have anything nice. And <laughs> and 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 then the trailer happened. <laughs> so what what how did you feel and, about And not the, just the, the trailer, but I mean just everything. Like I feel like it's one of those movies where every piece of news since finding out that there was going to be a second one has been just a little bit worse. Um, yeah. You know, like, uh, you've got Guillermo del Toro had to step down for whatever number of reasons, and then they cut the budget, and, you know, then um, they're not bringing back some of the key members of the cast, you know, at least one key member of the cast. Um and then, uh, and then you know our buddy Trev, uh, who's who's uh, been on this podcast a few times, showed us those pictures from Comic Con, and like the booth at Comic Con was was sad. <laughs> <laughs> it it really was, um, and the suits looked really bad. And but I was like, oh, you know, like they're probably just not, you know, like CG'd yet. And then they're in the trailer, and they do look that bad. It, it, it looks cheap. It looks discount. It, everything about it looks like looks like the old days of sequels, where things got less money and looked worse <laughs> and were made on the cheap instead of how things work now. Where like, oh, we're doing a sequel. We better invest real money in it because it should make real money this time. Yeah, like I, I feel. I feel like when Del Toro left, they probably should have just canned it. Um, but they they pretty much started from scratch after that, and they like, cause his uh, his was Pacific Rim Maelstrom, which was a completely different like script than this. Yeah, so, it was gonna be all set inside the alien universe or something. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know. I mean, I, it's not like we're not gonna see it, and I mean, no, I would love not. for it, it still to, looks. I'd love it still for looks it to be good. Fun. I will say this. It still looks fun. I, I will say this for but, as underwhelming as the trailer was. If they are going to fully lean into that Saturday morning cartoon vibe that the trailer does kind of have, I think it will be fun, a, a fun a fun time. 
Yeah, I agree. And it, it so yeah, it's it still looks like a lot of fun. It's just you know, I watched that I watched that first movie like I've watched it at least once a year, I think, since two thousand twelve. Um and it's like it's one of the movies that, you know, when I have someone come over my house for the first time just to kind of show off my home theater, it's one of the movies that I put on because I think it looks great. And uh and I just kind of fast forward, you know, to the Hong Kong fight scene to just kind of show off how good the picture looks on everything. And it's like this movie does not look like that <laughs> at all. You know, this 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 looks like if I were going to put on, yeah, a classy episode of Power Rangers or something. Yeah, I hope it's fun. I hope we enjoy it. I hope that we're saying how pleasantly surprised we are. But somehow I think we're going to be like, yeah. At best, like I said, at best, I if it's if they just go fully into that dumb Saturday morning cartoon kind of vibe, it'll be fun, but it won't be the first movie. I think is a special movie, and it won't be that. No, there was never any chance of it being that. I don't think, though. Yeah, I just think it would. I think under Del Toro, it would have looked a little classier. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not above uh, cheesy, classless movies. I <laughs> uh, I just watched and enjoyed C- Cult of Chucky. I mean, uh, <laughs> I did too. I, I liked that. It's one. it's it's not like I'm above rolling around in the muck. It's just it's when you expect one thing and get another. You know, it, it it's jarring. Yeah. So, um, let's get into our subject matter, and that is three of what is considered the Mutant series produced by Toho. Um, technically, I think, I think, because I've heard, uh, other movies called Mutant films, um, uh, but for whatever reason, at least here in the states, uh, there no, these three are considered the mutant trilogy. Even though I think I think I think it's usually considered like Invisible Man, Half Human, and Matango are usually kind of like considered part of the same like line of movies. The, these mutant films, but here the, I, I think it might be because they're a little similar and they all have like for the most part the same casts and they all came out like almost like back to back to back. So for some reason, they're a trilogy here. Um, but those movies include 1958's The H-Man, um, 1960's Human Vapor, and also from 1960 is uh, The Secret of the Telegian. Um, and speaking of dead celebrities, uh, well, I guess not, not really much of a celebrity here outside of the fan base, but in Japan, a very well-known, very well-loved actor who appears in all three of these is, uh, Yoshia, um, Yoshio Tsuchiya, who passed away maybe a month ago, and we never really talked about that when it happened. Yeah, well, oh, well, I guess he, no, he passed away in February of last year, but... Um, because of, I guess, I guess how the Japanese break these kinds of new stories, it it didn't become, like, known to the public until a month ago. But, um, uh, I think if anything would be a fitting tribute, it would be this, because we will be talking about what I think is probably his best 
performance later on. Um, but uh, he was an incredible actor and a regular for these movies as well as Kurosawa's films. Um, in the Godzilla series. Yep, yeah. Uh, Monster Zero, um, uh, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, uh, I mean, Frankenstein Conquers the World. I mean, he's in a, a whole shit ton of them, basically. But uh, incredible actor. Always played weirdos or villains or people with a lot of like m- mental problems and psychological problems. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, uh, that was another, another notch in 2017's mission to kill cool people. So, um, we'll start from the beginning, uh, with The H-Man, uh, which was a science fiction slash horror movie from 1958, and you know, back then at least, you know, I think Toho was trying a lot of things with, with the genres, so, you know, it wasn't all kaiju all the time, the way you know, it would become later. It was, well, now we might do a movie about a human-sized monster. Now we might do an alien invasion movie. So they were still kind of seeing what what kinds of things that their technicians could pull off best and stuff. So uh, another reason why the Showa era, era rules is because you did get a lot of different kinds of movies coming out of the same, you know, creative pools. Um, so this one is directed by Honda and... Written by Takeshi Kimura, um, and uh, it's basically about Killer Blob, and sometimes people can consider uh, it kind of a ripoff of The Blob, but the truth is hmm. uh, The H-Man was in production before The Blob was released, and also um, released the same year in addition to those two movies being very close, was the Italian movie Celtiki, co-directed by Mario Bava, which was also about a blob. So something about the late 50s, uh, people on different in three different countries made three very good movies about killer blobs. So I don't know what was in like the, 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 the air that made people obsessed with blobs, but... But do you think you it had, it had, I mean, do you think maybe it had anything to do with the proliferation of just nuclear technology and and uh, starting to learn that it wouldn't cause like like quote unquote cool mutations like gigantic things <laughs> and and stuff? It would like just turn you into like a yeah. Of goo. <laughs> I think that in like uh in like uh kind of like the the Cold War fears of you know, invaders, and, I mean, because that's also where you have a lot of, like, alien invasion movies and and stuff coming out, so I think those are all things that are kind of, like, tied together in some kind of weird web. Um, uh, The H-Man in particular, um, I like all those movies, but I I think the H-Man might be the most interesting. Um, There's a lot of subtext in this movie, and, you know, we can talk about that, but... um, uh, I guess, okay, three movies, there's three of us, so I guess we'll each do a plot rundown. I'm already babbling, so um, do one of you guys want to take the H-Man? I want to nominate Tom. Okay, let's see if I can... This is the one that, well, 
Yeah, this is the one where I feel like I can remember the plot the least. Cause okay. Well, in that case, I can... It, no, I, but I'll, can I'll, I'll give it a whirl, because... Um, okay, so... There's, like... <laughs> uh, no, there's there's drug dealers, uh, and it's like a gang mobster movie. Um, and this guy goes out for a drug deal, and all of a sudden, he's like, ah, and he, like, just disappears, and they only can find his clothes. And um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember if it happens again before the police on the case come across the the scientist guy, but I think it might just be on this first time. Um, the scientist guy kind of joins in with them, and he's like, "What a weird, strange case you have here, isn't it?" And they're like, "Well, yeah, but what do you what are you doing here? You're like a scientist. You're not a policeman." And he's like, "Yeah, don't worry about it. It'd be pretty cool if this was like a radioactive thing, though, huh?" And they're like, "Ah." Uh, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> go away. This is like, there's, we're like, we have to go catch this naked criminal who's running around. Um, they start, they go off and interview his, uh, his girlfriend who, um, we don't know, you know, what her level of involvement is and him being a gangster is. Um, but because they go and interview her, then, uh, then the mob thinks that she's talking to the police. So they send out a hit on her. And when, uh, when she's surprised by the guy, somehow she, what is she? She somehow like tricks the guy into jumping out the window. How does uh, that happen? I think there was like, um, I think it was there was an undercover cop, and okay, and they came and he like he ran out the window and then yeah he gets eaten by one of the yeah. the H men. So his his clothes are are gone too, and uh, they start or his clothes are only left behind, and uh, they start kind of believing maybe there's a little more credence to this. Um, to this radioactive uh, hypothesis of like, what if they turned into radioactive goo? Um, and uh, then the scientist guy kind of um, there's a, there's a moment where they have a, a, a big scene in a nightclub and they're in this, this moment in the nightclub where the girlfriend actually is a singer Um there's the some pretty racy and, scenes in this nightclub, especially for yeah. 1958 Japan. Yeah, the the blob guys then show up and attack, and they eat some people. And um, now it's like, oh, now everyone is is taking it seriously. And so the scientist kind of shows them, hey, I've known about this already because I've done it to frogs. Uh, and and then he's got his cool frog melting machine. Yeah, where he just melts frogs. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he makes he, he yeah he makes H frogs. Um, but so then they start talking. How do they? They end up talking to someone who saw it, like, on a boat. Have yeah, and that's probably the most, I guess, well-known scene of the movie, but, um, yeah. but yeah, he, he, he directs the police, the yeah, he, well, he directs the police to, um, uh, these, this, yeah, he's in the hospital and he's describing what, Oh, that's right, the scientist says, hey, I want you to tum- come talk to this guy. Yeah, yeah, and Does- then, and then you, he gives a whole flashback sequence where, yeah. Um, and he, it, it, yeah, he describes. Didn't did you say at the beginning that this feels like uh, in Toho they consider it in kind of paired with Matango? Uh, well, yeah, all these mutant movies are kind of okay. put together, and Matango is usually in there. But this movie has some, I, some, some thematically there are some things that uh, it touches on as well as Matango. 
because the flash the fl- the flashback now I'm all <laughs> uh, um, Tango flashback, uh, but the flashback feels to me very Matango Matango ish. Right, yeah, where yeah. Um, the guy talks about how he was on a on a, a boat and they found a boat adrift and said, oh maybe we can salvage it, maybe we can you know kind of kind of find some stuff to to salvage and and kind of make some money for ourselves maybe rescue some people whatever um and they go on there and they get attacked by these blob creatures um and they kind of find out that the boat that they were on was like drifting through radioactive uh areas and uh the the blob creatures are are men who've been mm-hmm. exposed to radiation one of those um, sailors and- was played by uh Haro Nakajima as well and then uh and then Basic, then basically what happens is because the mob still wants to to get the girl, they still want to like kind of put a hit on her. Um, it ends up where she gets kind of kidnapped by a mobster at the same time that the police are enacting a plan to kill the the H men underneath the sewer system. So then, so then everyone is underneath the sewers as uh, the police are trying to kill the H men with fire and. Uh, the mobster's trying to kill the girl and make it look like the H-Men did it so that he can get away. Uh, and it all just kind of comes to a head. He He's down there because he, for, somehow he he stashed like a whole ton of heroin in like the wall. <laughs> and yeah, that's like why he's in the tunnel to begin with. But yeah, I mean, that that's, that's a pretty accurate summary. Um, uh, and uh, well, I guess I'll say that this is one this is one that kind of gets better every time I watch it. Um there's a there's kind of a level of detail in it that I don't really think it gets credited for very much. Um but the big thing for me uh it is you guys are obviously familiar with the Lucky Dragon number 5, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Um and this movie is a very clear like parallel to that um you know the 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 abandoned ship um and i mean that that's bringing that back that imagery and um i'm sure most anyone listening to this should know but the lucky dragon incident was one of the along with the uh, atomic bombings one of the things that inspired the original godzilla where a uh fishing boat was uh was just outside of where some H-bomb tests were occurring, and the danger zone for that blast went, like, was, was, went, basically it went way further than expected, and it contaminated this boat, and tuna, all the tuna on this ship got everyone in Japan sick, people were dying, it was spreading like crazy, basically it was horrific. Um, And what happens here? Uh, People come in contact with a boat, and there's some radioactive fallout in the form of these these blob creatures. And what do they do? They spread a kind of contamination by... Basically, they eat a person, and then that creates a new one. So it's almost like a weird vampirism. And uh, it spreads into the city. And, I mean, a lot of the imagery that Honda uses in this movie is a very deliberate callback to that and um a lot of that stood out um especially when i just watched it again um in the last couple weeks um 
so it, it's it's kind of uh it's it's an interesting movie on that level um and uh i just really like the early toho you know art direction and uh Subaraya does a lot of really cool stuff with the effects um uh kenji sahara plays the the very um geez overbearing scientist (laughs) 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 um of course yoshio suchia is one of the detectives um akahiko harata is like the main detective Uh, there's so there's a lot of familiar faces um but i really enjoy the movie uh i have i have a couple like things that don't quite land for me but um uh so matt we haven't heard much from you and i think you probably just saw this for the first time fairly recently i don't know how recently um, oh for the first time huh yeah so Jeez. how do you feel about this this one yeah i liked most of it i think there's some pretty haunting scenes especially like the the creatures on the ship are legitimately chilling at times and um the, the ending of the film has some pretty cool set pieces. They're running through the sewer, and um, the way the creatures are eventually dispatched, like it's just a sea of fire and flame, um, which is kind of different. Like they're just burning them to death, and these people are also victims themselves. So it's a very interesting dynamic. I like most of it. Um, I did find myself uh, my mind wandering during the film, so like it, it's okay. But I don't really have any super intense gripes about the film i am with you though that, like the art direction is really good super right does some pretty interesting things with the effects um but overall i, I did enjoy the imagery um that, that they use in the film especially like again the ship scene kind of is the thing that sticks out to me in the very end of the film are the two things that that i think i enjoyed the most yeah I, the the scene on yeah, the, the very is, end yeah the yeah the well the scene on the ship i think is the the highlight that's like the centerpiece of the movie um and yeah the climax i i enjoy as well um yeah that's, that, that very end with the fire kind of spreading throughout is really cool it's really well done too yeah that's when they and you know that's when they bust out the miniatures and yeah there's fire everywhere and um but yeah it's uh i think this is one of the ones that is more um overt in i guess it's symbolism and i guess the the fear is that we're still kind of going on in japan over over radiation radiation over radiation (laughs) (laughs) um and um and yeah i mean you you see uh, a lot of um the things that you would know these like i mean like to the takeshi kimura the screenwriter um i mean we've talked about him a few times but he was a pretty cynical, misanthropic person, and he had a particular distaste for the police, which is why, you know, the police are so stubborn, and, you know, I mean, they, they don't listen to anyone. I mean, they don't listen to the scientists, even, the, I think, even the fir- after the first time he shows them, like, hey, look, this stuff can melt a frog, and even yeah. then they're like, oh, what, what? We don't care whatever <laughs> and you know there there's scenes where like they're just really condescending and compared to some of the other movies um you know that they were doing at the time i, I think the characters are you know uh, there's they're a little more hollow um tw- towards the climax we i don't know if either of you recall but we do get 
um, a chase sequence between uh, one of the gangsters kidnaps the girl, um, and Kenji Sahara is in a cab that's chasing them. And it, I love Ashiro Honda, but I will admit, uh, human level action was never his strong suit, and it's <laughs> it's like the worst chase scene. <laughs> ever <laughs> i don't know it's always bothered me i don't know if you guys re- you guys might need to like rewatch it and notice it but i, I remember it bothering me but like not <laughs> laughing about it i guess if that makes sense. It, it, it just it well it goes on for a, it's a, too long yeah yeah but it's sure. just so <laughs> it just feels so poorly like constructed and edited and you never really like I. Every time I watch it, I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, this scene." Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think the movie like, um, this time watching it, this was maybe my second, maybe my third time. I, I can't remember. Um, it, it was more fun to me this time at cer- at certain points than uh, than I had kind of remembered and maybe given it credit for you know i mean i i got a kick out of the frog melting machine i mean i was just sitting there <laughs> kind of just chuckling to myself like hey, this guy's just got a machine that melts frogs um there's a there's a great moment um when the h-men attack the nightclub i think maybe it's might even be like the second time they attack it um where one of them one of them oozes out a window and the window's still open uh and the police like break into the room and and with the window open the one police officer still smashes the window uh to point his gun out and then never actually shoots it um (laughs) and that was just really funny to me because it's like the window's open you could just stick your arm out it but he smashes the window first um and and yeah like the the stuff on the boats really good and the, and the nighttime and the nighttime, like the fire spreading is really awesome. I think it's, it's done really well. I really like, you know, how you could see the kind of the blue tick of the flame of the vapors being ignited before the, um, the gas on top of the water gets ignited. That's a, that's, it looks really cool. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the interpersonal relationships are lacking, you know, I mean, um, I, I'm still, a little confused as to why the girl is like with the mobster at the end, like why he doesn't just kill her. I mean, aside from, you know, the movie needing her to survive. Um, and, and there's just some stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't think in this one, um, more so, like maybe more so than any, either of the other two, the, uh, the, the mutants themselves, um, they lack a little personality and, and their story and their, their stuff. It, even though it kind of directly impacts the human uh, action, it still feels like a little bit divorced from it. Um, the the H-Men are like a little more in the background uh, of the story about drug dealers and, and scientists and the girl. Um, it's not quite as well integrated as, as the other two, um, the other two mutant movies, although it's, it's still, you know, it's still a really fun movie, um, and I, I really enjoyed it quite a bit this time. Um, but yeah, it's just it's not like perfect or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where I am. I, I really enjoy it, and um, I think it's really entertaining. You know, I, I'm never bored when I watch it, and I I really like the blob effects too. Um, and I mean, Subarai was doing some some cool stuff, like the the actual 
I guess, blob when they're in like the more blobby form is it's like a combination of cellophane and gelatin and like uh, like different kinds of plastics and glass and stuff. Um, and then uh, I really that stuff all works really well. Uh, the the more blobby kind of stuff. There are a couple moments um, where you can kind of see in, in, in this movie, especially why they might've started to skew more towards Kaiju, because when something is a little more fantastical looking with, with a Kaiju, it's, well, there's no basis in our, in our brain for, for kind of knowing what that would look like. Um, some of the effects when the H men are supposed to be attacking people, it's got that like, odd kind of universal like freeze fame frame effect mm-hmm. where yeah yeah you know and, and that's not necessarily up to snuff and 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 not just you know with where we are today i think it's a little bit not quite up to snuff with you know where toho was and and contemporary films at the time so yeah um, um yeah i i agree the blobby stuff is better than like the transition effects or um i don't i'm not sure if, how if I would call them good necessarily, but I like the like melting person effects because they have a really like weird surrealness to them. Like they Subaraya constructed these basically what would be balloon people and like deflated them, and it, it it's it looks fake, but there's something like eerie about it in how fake it looks. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, and like when the the blob had to like drip like across the wall and stuff they would build like these rotating sets basically um and then when when they take on their full i guess like more human like appearance they have that weird like kind of shimmery effect so to make that effect like when they look more human like you know when they have arms and legs and stuff um this is a passage from Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men and the Fantastic Cinema of Ashiro Honda by Peter Brothers. Uh, In the H-Man chapter, it says, To create the effect of a living liquid man, water was added to a small amount of organic glass and then inserted between two pieces of transparent glass. The glasses were then repeatedly pulled apart and put back together, resulting in a pulsating jelly-like substance. Optical printing, traveling mat, superimposition, animation, double exposures, and reverse photography were all among the many techniques employed to simulate the movement of the slime. I I don't know how someone even comes up with an idea to do something like that, but these days it would all just be CG. (laughs) (laughs) So, how many melted frogs... Do you guys give this one out of five? I think I'm three and a half. I give it three and a half melted frogs out of five. Entertaining and fun, but you know, not everything. Like I said, not everything always comes together the way it should. And and uh, and yeah, some of the character stuff just isn't on point, especially for Honda. Um, But it is still like a fun movie, and if you can kind of roll with some of the some of the more fun and, and kind of fantastical parts of it. There's, there's quite a bit of, of uh, entertainment to be had. Okay. I, I would, I would go three and a half probably for the same reasons. Uh, entertainment wise, I would almost lean more towards a four cause I really had a good time with it. But, but yeah, I mean, some things are just a notch below kind of what, what, you know, what it 
could have been almost, but the stuff that works really works, and there's a lot to like here. Um, Matt, how do you feel? I'm at a three. I, I pretty much echo what Tom said for the same reasons. I just didn't quite get as much out of it, I think, as he did. But I still, I mean, it's it's definitely enjoyable. It's just not. I mean, I, I think I was at a three off. the first time I watched it. I'll be honest. You know, like I just think I maybe had more fun than I remembered. You know, so it might it might improve on rewatches for you. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I kind of I've kind of appreciated a little more each time I put it on. So, so yeah. Um, so that's the H man or in Japan, beauty and the liquid people. It's kind of a cool. No. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah. That's what it's called. (laughs) That's what the, that's the, that's the original Japanese title is beauty and the liquid people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay. So we are going to fast forward to 1960 with the secret of the Telegian. Um, and this is. Um, oh, that's the second one, really? Yeah, but they're like months apart. Oh, like they're both 1960. Telegian and Human Vapor are like they're almost they're like back to back. Like, um, but this is actually I think something like the second or third feature directed by Jun Fukuda. Um, but it's his first science fiction movie, and so um, this is when he is in good company with you know Tsuburaya and. Um, uh, you know, a script by Shinichi Sekizawa, so, um, uh, and, um, so, this one is, uh, I, um, let's see, Matt, how do you feel about giving us the, the rundown on this one? I think if I did it, I would be doing you guys a disservice, because I'm trying to, I remember, like, the, the, the major, this is, like, the easiest one. Dude, I know, but I'm like, I remember the guy getting stabbed to death at the beginning. Is that <laughs> okay? That so Matt, so Matt, so Matt clearly doesn't remember the movie. Apparently, not, not well. No, All I right. did watch it. All right, Tom, we're we're gonna have to carry this one, buddy. All right, I can I can do this one. I actually remember this one. Okay, because um, this is like this is like the most simple, straightforward plot I think of all three. Um, so um, we open on a, a carnival an amusement park and a guy uh goes into a cave and he's got like a or not a cave but he goes into a, a house of horrors type of thing and he's got like a weird like concerned look on his face and everyone else is all oh is this a fun amusement park yay um and he walks in and uh never walks out um the the other people who go in find his dead body he's been stabbed to death and so the police show up and they're like what what happened here? Um, and they're like, well, we saw a guy kill him, but then nobody ever came back out. And the police are like, that's not possible. <laughs> um, you know, because it's like one of those things where there's only like the one way in and the one way out. And um, they're like, yeah, there, w- we never saw anyone come back out. And he's like, well, did you see what the guy looked like? And they're like, no. Um, so kind of a dead end. Um, meanwhile, there's these, these couple of, of, what they're they're kind of like mobsters they're they're like they're called smugglers which i, I guess i don't have yeah. the historical well, context well, well, well pretty much i mean i'm sure you were you were gonna mention uh they also run and work in a, a nightclub it's a weird like yeah. world war ii themed nightclub but but yes they, they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes they run a nightclub and it's it's like a front for 
drug deals, basically. So they're yeah. selling heroin and all this stuff out of this club that they run. Yeah, but all their all their drinks in their in their uh, in their nightclub are called like hand grenades and and missiles and like it's it's a wildly inappropriately themed nightclub. <laughs> um, but uh, but so these two guys who are kind of like the 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 kind of two like co-owners or whatever of this of this smuggling operation are are meeting and they're like dude they're like the one guy is super concerned he's like hey um this this guy i can't remember the character's name do you the 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 telegian man his name is pseudo okay they're like hey the, the one guy's super concerned he's like hey pseudo's gonna kill us and he's like don't be ridiculous like that's not possible and you know now as the audience we're like Ooh, why is it not possible um and they're like, it must have been this other guy. And then this other guy comes in and he's like, hey, I want you guys to stop screwing with me. Um, and they realize that they've all been sent these little um, these little dog tag ID things um, from this pseudo guy. And he says this is and he also sends them with a, uh, an audio cassette and says, this is pseudo. You thought you killed me, but you're wrong. And now I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill you know, this one first, this one next, this one after that. I'm going to kill you on these days at these times. And he's like super confident and cocky and bragging. And the one he says he's going to kill first, he then shows up out of thin air. And he looks like he's uh, at times like um, like static on a TV station and he kills the one guy and then he is just disappears. He's gone. Um, the, the cops were at this nightclub at the same time because they uh, they're like investigating these guys for smuggling. And the one guy decides the the one more scared guy who thought it was pseudo from the beginning decides he's got to talk to the police. Cause he's like, we're, we're going to die. We're going to be killed. So he, he tells the police, Hey, listen, we were all in an, in a, uh, in the army together. We were all in a little platoon. And, um, when the war ended and Japan was trying to, you know, evacuate all of their, uh, scientists and save all their research so that it wouldn't fall into allied hands. Um, instead, what we did is we loaded up all these crates with gold um, so that we could then so that we could then uh, you know be independently wealthy. And this pseudo tried to stop us. We killed him. We killed the scientists we were supposed to be rescuing, and then we blew them up in a in a cave explosion. Um, and they're like, but now this pseudo is somehow back and he's going to kill us. And so uh, he then pseudo uh, brags about, I'm going to kill this guy at this time at this place. And, um, you know, the police try and protect him and it doesn't work out. And so now there's one guy left. And at one of the crime scenes, I can't remember if it's the very first one. It might be either the very first one or. Uh, maybe it's the second one. They find this little wire and it, it's like a transistor wire and it's way more advanced than like normal transistors, especially in the 50s. And like this could theoretically be used to to send mass over long distances. Like it could be like a teleporter or a transmitter of some kind. And they end up kind of researching and going into and figuring out that the doctor that the uh, that this platoon was supposed to 
uh, protect, he survived and he's been working on this, this transmitter and they think he's behind the murders, um, because, you know, he's been perfecting his machine all the time since the war. Uh, and it turns out that pseudo has been, uh, working for him, uh, posing as just like a, a tech as like an orderly to help him out and secretly been going off and committing these murders. And, um, so it's a, it's kind of a mad dash at the end for the police to try and stop the the final murder and that that's the the kind of where the climax comes in is that I'm trying to stop the last murder from happening but um yeah the whole the whole thing is basically just kind of a cat and mouse game with this guy who can teleport himself and, and killing and getting revenge and the police trying to stop him yeah and i i will say um you mentioned a lot of police research and stuff, and so it is very much a, a procedural, um, but I think it's it's done pretty well. I mean, um, the the reporter, there's a reporter character that's working with the police, and he's like, hey, I know, I know, like, this scientist guy, and, like, so that's when he takes them that uh, wire, and he's like, oh, this is a, this thing, um, and the detectives are played by Akihiko Harata and Yoshio Tsuchiya. Yeah, I, um, Hideo Amamoto plays one of the gangsters, um, so it's another one that has a lot of familiar faces. Um, you can definitely uh, kind of tell um, that this movie was directed by someone that's a little bit more into, well, I guess I just mentioned, you know, one of Honda's kind of weaknesses could be things like action and chases and um, there's a lot of scenes, chase scenes and, and stuff like that in this, and they, they are very, uh, they're a lot more dynamic and, you know, using, you know, fat, like rapid camera movements and stuff. And I, that's kind of the stuff Fukuda would be kind of known for bringing to the Godzilla series later on. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's basically a procedural, and it's it's really almost like a slasher movie, uh, with, you know, this, this guy who can basically teleport, um, and, you know, uh, it, it, just like a lot of the Toho movies, uh, it's very heavy on, like, the pseudoscience, and it's, they get into all this psychobabble about how his device works and how he needs to keep it a certain temperature and how he, he ordered, one of the clues is, like, someone ordered a unusual amount of refrigeration units, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, oh man! But no, there was like four, like four refrigerators. Yeah, and they were just like, why? Why? They like, because yeah, the 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 reporter, the girl that he like, kind of likes, and you know, kind of like is is kind of sort of dating. Like she's like, yeah, this guy or this guy just that just left. Like yeah, he was asking like for an updated status on the order he placed for, like, a bunch of refrigerators. And he was like, wait, what? <laughs> and so that's, that's like, how, like, they put that, like, clue together. Um, but uh, I don't know. I really like this movie. Um, uh, I guess I'll, I'll let you guys... Uh, Matt, should we, should we even ask you what you think of it? Your, your... Dude, I'm, <laughs> listen, listen. I wasn't comfortable trying to regurgitate every single plot point and I, and I'm not going to do it with all the the crazy noises Tom you know inserts in there which by the way Tom was incredibly entertaining but the, I, I like this movie it's fun um great chase scenes there is some 
particularly moments like that are that keep you uneasy when they go to the, the the laboratory actually where they kind of figure out what's going on in the interaction between the characters like that's a pretty you know creepy moment and then uh the ending though is something that like hey yeah, oh god <laughs> but you know there's basically what ends up happening is uh volcano erupts and destroys everything and i feel like Man, this isn't a monster movie, so like, why is that? Why is that? There, am I the only person who feels that way? Uh, it, no, it, this, it, it's a very Toho ending where it's like, this is <laughs> uh, for my money, and and I think even more than you know, in I would say including uh, movies like Rodan, uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World, uh, War of the Gargantuas, where um, just the movie just ends. Um, this is this is probably the worst offender in Toho's entire library of that, um, where uh, everything is going along and all of a sudden the volcano erupts and bam, it's just over. I think and you're they, like, what? <laughs> like, they, needed, they needed a way to basically, I think, end the villain but not have anybody else die. And so when he goes back to where his base is and he can't teleport out of it. They're like, oh, I know. We're just gonna make him like they build it by a volcano. That makes perfect sense. Like, what the? What, what the f- uh, yeah, it's. A- it's uh, I mean, this is 1960, so it predates a lot of the other stuff. It's just weird to see it used very, almost like it's it's not very tactful, in my opinion. But everything else up until that point, I actually really did enjoy a lot. Yeah, um, it's it's a fun yeah, I- movie. Um, just like the H Man, I think I think it moves at a fast enough pace, and uh, the mystery um, is handled very well. Um, and uh, I I do think the characters are better than the H Man, although it, it doesn't have the cool atmosphere and Lucky Dragon allegory. But um, but I, I do think there's a lot to like here. Um, you know, I, I mean, it, some of the characters like, sort of, like, by the end just kind of drop out. Like, the detectives by the end aren't super active. They're, they're kind of put in the back seat a little bit. Um, and uh, Pseudo is just a cool villain, I think. Um, like I said, it's, 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 almost like a, it's almost like a slasher movie, and the, the teleporting effects are, are decent. Um, I do like the effect of, you know... After he's teleported, he he basically looks like he's made out of static. Um, yeah, I do like that effect a lot, actually. Um, but it's it's a good time, and uh, yeah, it's it's a fun movie. And um, it, if you ever read any interview with June Fukuda, you'll he was a very crabby man, um, not particularly proud of really any of his work. Um, he was very much a director for hire who often was given projects that were totally not what he wanted to be doing. Um, and, uh, there's an interview online. I think it's the David Milner interview where he's like, if you had to pick one of your sci-fi movies as a favorite, which one would it be? And of course him being who he is, his first answer is none of them. They're, they're all bad. I, I don't like any of them. And then the interview is like, come on, you have to pick one, one that you like the most. He's like, I get Talegian, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, for what it's worth, this was his favorite of the the sci-fi movies that he had made. Um, 
and there are kind of rumors, I guess, I guess I'll call them rumors, that at some point in the planning or scripting stages, Honda was involved um, I, I would say take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, I was talking to uh, Steve Rifle, and I asked him about that, and he was like, well, in re- researching the book, we kind of left that out because we couldn't find like a definitive 100% like interview tape or anything where he said that, so we didn't say anything about that. But, so, I, so who knows how true that is, but if it is true, I wouldn't be surprised... Um, because there a lot of his kind of uh, motifs are in play here. Um, there's a lot of kind of not as heavy-handed, but a little bit of that post-war, like hey, let's get over World War II kind of mentality. There's one scene in particular that stood out, and it's a dialogue scene actually between the two detectives in the car. And they're kind of just getting fed up with this case. And they're like, I wish someone would just kill Pseudo already. And then uh, the other detective says, well, well, he's like, basically says, you know, calm down. All life is precious, even if it's a bad person. Nobody deserves to get killed. And, you know, obviously that's a big, you know, uh, that's pretty pacifist statement there um so again who knows how how much truth there is to that involvement but um there are some some things here that feel a little bit more honda than than fukuda but um the directing is definitely a uh, a change of pace um in that you know it's it's so much more um things are moving more there's more interesting like uh like, they show people looking through binoculars, and you see, like, it's like a POV with, like, little binocular frames around the, the camera and, and stuff like that. Um, but no, it, it's a fun movie. It is fun, and it does move at a really fast pace. And so it ends up being an, an enjoyable ride overall. Um, but, but you know, when you use the word villain to describe pseudo, um, that's, that's a big part of this movie's problem. Um, is Pseudo's a villain. Um, he's a revenge-driven murderer uh, who is lying, you know, to his uh, to his employer, who's uh, supposedly a friend of his, uh, to to get you know his murder scheme completed. Um, the people he's trying to kill are attempted murderers um, and and drug dealers. Um, so so not exactly good people. Um, there's there's no strong protagonist here to root for mm-hmm. um the the police are 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 really just kind of there to move the plot forward they're not characters as much as everyone else in the movie and so there there's not really any reason for us to want the murders to be stopped or to be going forward um so there's there's that kind of little bit of a disconnect there there's like no one to really root for um and that's that's a that's a kind of a big uh problem to me it almost feels um, like you could condense a few of the main characters into one maybe yeah and and get one good police officer yeah, maybe yeah, yeah so it would yeah. so it'd be a little less like scattered uh as we said before the ending is a problem um the other kind of big problem i have is um you know for for a a movie that's you know considered a mutant movie a there's there's 
nothing really to indicate that. You know, I mean, he's not a mutant. <laughs> he's not a mutant. He's a he's just a, a guy who could teleport. Um, that's not as much of a problem though as like. So they're like, oh, you know, we we shot this guy and then we exploded him, and now he's back for revenge somehow. That somehow is never explained. Um, and you know, it's 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 not like a a huge deal or anything, but it's just like, you know, you could you couldn't come up with something, you know, to to you know, like, because you could have given pseudo like a more of a story and more of a of a motivation. Ah, oh, you you shot me, and I had to drink cave water for three weeks until uh, uh, it, it rained a lot, and I noticed water was coming in over here, and I got out that way or something. You know, there's just there's no explanation for how he and Doctor Nikki survived at all, um, and and that's that's also just a, a problem to me. That the you know it's it's a movie that um, maybe has. Uh, fewer problems in some way than than um, than like uh, H Man, um, but its problems are are more obvious, more pronounced, and then um, the movie just doesn't leave you with as much to chew on as uh, H Man. You know where H Man, like you said, H Man's got all those obvious kind of lucky dragon connotations and and uh, stuff to think about with that. Like they don't even bother to tack on a thing. At the ending where they're like, oh, my God, he disappeared. Does that mean he's still alive? Is he dead? Is he floating out in a billion pieces somewhere? You know, they're just like, oh, look at that. He died, I guess. The end. <laughs> um, so, they, 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 you know, there's just not as much to chew on here. It's just a it's a, a breezy, f- fast watch, really, is, is what it boils down to. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> How many hand grenade alcoholic beverages do you give this out of five? Three. I'm at a, I'm at a three. You know, I'm two for two with you, Tom. I, I'm going to give it a three, too. It, it, has, it's, it's, it has some flaws, some of them more glaring than others. But ultimately, um, it's a cool, creative idea, and it's executed in a very entertaining way in a, in a movie that's fast and uh there's a level of suspense to it and um i'm never i'm not bored watching it so i think three is a good a good score some cool effects too so uh matt uh from what you can piece together (laughs) from your from your shattered memory (laughs) uh no man i i despite the terrible ending i do remember enjoying the crap out of this movie and uh, I'm gonna go three and a half. Okay. I liked it more than the H Man. Okay. But. Yeah. No, that's fair. And yeah, it's it's too bad Fukuda was such a sourpuss because his movies are so much fun. Um, well, I, in my opinion, I think we're about to talk to talk about something that is pretty special, um, and it's pretty fitting now uh, because um, with Suchia's passing. Uh, he uh, considered this one of his best roles. In my opinion, this is pro- probably is his best role that I've seen. Uh, out of a lot of memorable classic performances, I think this one is the best. And um, that is uh, released not very long after um, Telegian. That is The Human Vapor, 1960, um, and written by Takeshi Kimura and... 
Um, this is a movie that just every time I watch it, it kind of I get more out of it. And I'll talk about maybe why that is. I think that in terms of Honda's movies and Toe science fiction movies, it's really kind of one of a kind, uh, almost the same way Matango is. And Matango, I think I like Matango more, but this movie is pretty far up there. Um, uh, so the human vapor, uh, Matt, uh, can you give give us a plot for this one? For the love of, I mean, uh, are you are you okay? Can can you recall yeah, anything? Uh, I got so the, the movie opens with the high speed chase, uh, police chasing a robber. And uh, there's a the, the car overturns, and the police are astonished to find that there's nothing inside. There's not even blood, no body, no nothing. Um, they basically end up going to um, a club somehow, and they inform them. There's this. Uh, they introduce a, one of the main characters. Her name is Fuji Fuji Yu. I don't know how to say her her name correctly, but anyway, she's one of the main characters. She's dancing. The cop the the, the cop tries to take a peek inside. Um, I don't think that's a club. But I think that's just her house, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah yeah. Uh, so there's this dancer. Uh, uh, she does not work in a club. Uh, she is a uh, a no Japanese no dancer, which is like you know stage and you know, classy stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, and she is asked, uh, about this, you know, string of robberies. And, uh, and the reason I feel like, you know, the reason they're asking her is because the car crashed like near her house. Yes. And so like, did you, did you see anyone? Is there, you know, like we were chasing someone and, he had to have come by here. Is there someone else here? So that that's that's why they're so interested. They really think that she's hiding something from them. Yeah. Yes. Um, and but the the string of robberies is basically guards are ending up dead, and nobody is seeing anybody, and the vaults are opening, and money is being stolen, and there's no one around. And um, uh. Similar to the last movie, it's very much a procedural detective trying to figure out what's going on. And then uh, probably at the end of the first act is when they kind of... Um, uh, the the robber basically reveals himself. And it's a lowly librarian um, played by Yoshio Tsuchiya named Mizuno. And he is a former um, World War II pilot, and I think they say he had some kind of cancer or something. Basically, he was discharged. And he was approached by uh, a scientist, a very vain scientist, about um, undergoing this experiment. Oh, it'll, it'll prolong your life, and the reason we're doing it is uh, to advance space travel. You know, it's 1960, the space race is kind of uh, still kind of timely um and he agrees to it um and you know the scientist is kind of a dick you know he's like i'm gonna be famous blah blah so he undergoes this experiment and it goes wrong and mizuno wakes up and um i mean he and he he kills the scientist and he realizes that he now has the power to turn into gas uh, vapor. He can basically turn into a cloud of this this mist, this gas, and um, he uh, is in love with the this dancer. 
and you know like Tom said it, they the movie never really specifies what happened but there was some kind of accident where she had to basically retire from her craft and she wants to have this big comeback and she just needs the money for it and she can't get the money for it and um Mizuno is just completely obsessed and in love with her and so he's robbing these banks to try and get money for her to do this recital and and have this grand comeback and he i mean he he's with his power he's become a megalomaniac and he is he he he's basically says you know i'm no longer human i've i'm tr- i've transformed into another being i'm not a human anymore um and so he 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 considers himself above the law, and he's very cocky, and he kills uh, a lot of people just to get mo- uh, money for this recital. And eventually, he does get the money. However, uh, Fujichio, the dancer, is having a very hard time hiring musicians and and things for for this dance that she she wants to put on. And um, you know, she goes to to you know her um you know i guess the, like uh it's the guy that lives with her um i think he's just like her like servant servant basically. yeah but but basically he like he's involved in the craft too and and he's like i i won't support this this is dirty money and so she eventually she's like okay i'll do it by myself and um and that's when the police kind of come up with a plan they're like how do we kill someone who's basically can turn to like air, you know? Um, and they come up with a plan to like, if they can get him before he can transform, but they're like, how do we do that? So they basically come up with an idea to turn the dance recital into a trap for the human vapor and they will incinerate him. And, uh, um, and along the way, I mean, it, this is all the stuff's made very public. So, I mean, you have the 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 recital, and you know, it, it seems like it draws a small crowd, and the people that are there seem to just they're like, "Hey, where's the human vapor? We want to see the human vapor. Where is he?" Um, but yeah, that that's that's what happens. Um, it turns out the trap is actually sabotaged, and in the end, it's actually um, Fujichio who ends up uh, pulling out a lighter and igniting um uh the theater and thus ending both of their lives um and uh so this is uh, the three movies this is definitely the darkest um but there's something very special about this movie to me um and uh i guess i'll get into that in a minute but um what do you guys think yeah. about this one? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's a shame that this movie hasn't seen an official stateside release. Um, because for me, it's it's by far the best of the Toho Mutant film, films. I think the story is really interesting and layered, you know, um, uh, in your in your plot synopsis. I mean, you know, we're we're all trying to go off of memory, but some of the things that you kind of kind of gl- like glossed over is like he reveals himself. The reason he reveals himself is because 
the police have arrested the girl um, because, you know, she has dirty money in her house. She acts really suspicious. She lies to the police often. Like she tells them right in the very first scene, she's like, I don't even have a car. And then when the uh, one police officer goes to interview her later, she like drives away and he's like, oh, I thought you didn't have a car. Um, and like I said, they they find dirty money at her house and all this stuff. So they they think she's somehow either doing it or involved with it. So they arrest her. And that's when the, the human vapor kind of reveals himself and says, uh, I did it. And, and not only did I do it, but I can prove I did it because I'll show you. Yeah. And then, yeah. And he takes Um, them to a bank and basically is like, okay, I'm going to rob, I'm, I'm going to do it. And he turns into vapor and like kills a guy and opens a safe and everything right in front of everyone. Yeah. And so, you know, it's this like it's this really interesting kind of layered story where like everything that happens has like a reason for happening and uh, has a payoff at all. All the pieces, you know, come and fit together um, throughout the movie. She keeps saying, you know, Fujichi keeps saying she wants to do this because this is going to be her last, you know, her her farewell to uh, to the profession. This is going to be her last uh, her, her last recital. This is, you know, she's, and she's performing. I, I wonder if there's, um, a cultural significance to the dance that she is performing that, you know, maybe we don't know because we don't yeah. know. Well, obviously, uh, you know, no theater and stuff. It, that does have a cultural significance. Um, I just meant the one in specific, yeah, yeah, in the specific, dance, you know, right, like, right, yeah. um, especially with like, you know, the mask she's wearing and stuff like that, you know, the, cause they, they do, they do hit on certain details about it and stuff in such a way that that lead me to believe, you know, that there's there's some sort of significance to this to to a, a Japanese audience that just you know we're not quite getting. Um, but still, it's uh, the, the the characters are all really well realized. You know, uh, the acting is on point. The human vapor is brought to life in such a fun and and ultimately pretty believable way. You know, I love the effects that that are done. Uh, and the morphing effects in this movie, they're they're really good, and and there's stakes on all sides. You know, there's um, there's his stakes of trying, you know, win this girl. There's hers of trying to, you know, give one last performance, one last thing back to the profession that kind of got her to where she was. There's the police officer who is, I think, you know, when we were talking about Telegian, could have benefited from having. Uh, all the characters kind of boiled into one on the police side. We have that in this movie and he's, you know, he's trying to crack the case because it's, it's important to him. And he's working with this reporter who, who is also important to him there. They have like a really good kind of flirtatious working relationship together. Um, so there's, there's everyone has kind of stakes in the in the situation. It's a pretty nuanced film. Uh, the villain has these motives that actually are pretty noble at the end of the day. You know, he's he's trying to uh, he's trying to help this this woman that he loves um, kind of realize her dream or one last time. Um, it, it's it, it, you know it, it doesn't get cartoony in that respect uh, very often. Uh, that's a pretty rare thing, especially from just in general a 1950s sci-fi movie. You know, the villain doesn't isn't super cartoony, even though he is a, a megalomaniac. Um, it, it's just it's really kind of like just a wonderful film all around. It, it is uh, it, there is something very special about it. Um, 
And it, it, it isn't just any one thing. It's all of those things working together. The characters, the story, the, the, the plotting, the, the pacing, um, the effects, everything works towards the end goal and the end game in this. And, uh, and the, the ultimate sacrifice that Fujichia makes to, to stop the human vapor and, uh, and send herself out on, on a final note is, uh, it, it's really powerful stuff. I, this movie's fantastic. And it's a shame that so few people, especially, you know, this is a, this is a podcast. You're, you're doing it for fans of this genre. Um, that so few people possibly even listening to this will have ever even seen this movie. Cause it is, it is wonderful. There's a scene uh, where Fujichio, she's actually arrested and in jail. And he comes, uh, Mizuno comes, to, basically comes in to rescue her. He's like, hey, you can escape now with me. He opens the, the cell and she basically says, hey, if I leave with you, they're going to assume that I'm helping you and that I'm part of this. And she doesn't want it to be any part of the, the, the robbing of the banks. And so eventually he has to leave her alone. And there's a dynamic between the two characters where, like, she needs the money, she needs his help, but she also doesn't want to be a part of anything illegal. And then at the very end, there's that very dark side where, like, she ends up paying for that by giving her performance and ending her own life and his life in kind of that sense of, like, sort of justice, but you have a lot of sympathy for their relationship and what they were trying to do, even though he was clearly the villain. And it's, I don't know, I was honestly pretty moved by the story. Um, especially the ending, the way that it plays out, because I wasn't expecting that from this, that like, as Tom said, like, you know, early, or I'm sorry, early 60s films, like, I wasn't expecting that kind of ending. And, like, it's, it's very touching, it's very moving, it's very sad. And, like, yeah, he deserves to be caught for what he did, but, like, the way that it happens is just, like, honestly heart-wrenching. And I think that's what this movie does so well, is it's, that, that payoff at the end makes all the other stuff really worth it. Um, plus, you know, the way that his, he handles himself, you know, he, he says, hey, I'm going to rob a bank at three o'clock and then he shows up and he does it. And then he ends up, you know, disappearing. There's that like trying to figure out how he does it. And then he shows up and he tells him. And um, I don't know. It's, it's a really well done, very well scripted movie. I agree that this might be his finest performance, at least that I've seen. And I certainly haven't seen all of his movies, but um, maybe this and probably his you know, Shindo from King Ghidorah. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a very good, well done movie, and, and I think the payoff at the end makes this movie well worth the watch. Especially of these three, this is by far the best. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's it's unlike any other movie in the Toho sci-fi canon. You know, even with you know the same screenwriter and director you know um it's but it's honda working at his best and all of his strengths come out um it's very some people might think it's slow um i after seeing and really liking the new blade runner movie and hearing all these people say oh it's so slow it's so boring slow is slowly no pun intended slowly becoming an invalid criticism for me um uh because a movie like this needs to be slow and it needs to take its time it needs to build things up and that's part of what makes it special it's deliberately paced and um there's the characters are so Mizuno and Fujichio are both fascinating characters and there's certain things about them that are left ambiguous you know, for the audience to think about. And I really appreciate it. You don't get 
the kind of subtlety in this movie that y- you don't get that in really any more of these Toho movies. It's it's really kind of a rarity. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I can't echo what you guys have said anymore. I, I just, it's fantastic. Um, and, yeah, I, I love Mizuno. I love Fujichio. And, um, in, in, uh, I guess, in there's a, a literary tradition in Japan of, you know, the double suicide, the romantic tragedy. And it's called uh, Shinju over there. You know, it's so common it has a name. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Honda, Honda said that, you know, the purest kind of love is the kind where two people end their lives at the height of, you know, their love for each other. It was kind of a something that he kind of said when he was a lot younger. Um, but I think that some of that sentiment comes out here. Um, and yeah, it, I just, I love the relationship between these characters. You almost don't kind of know what, they're always thinking or what their motivations are. And I, I mean, there's so much to chew on every time you watch this movie. Um, and, uh, in terms of, uh, the dancer Fujichio, um, uh, I think that, um, well, I'm just going to read a small passage from, uh, Honda's official biography, uh, that just came out, um, Shiro Honda life and film. Uh, by Ed Rifle and Ed Godzicheski. But uh, in describing that character, um, they say, Fujichio is a mystery. For unknown reasons, her wealth has run out, and she now lives modestly in a big, dim, Japanese-style house on the city's wooded outskirts, accompanied by her elderly attendant, Gia. She spends her days studying ancient art prints by Yu Tamaro, and uh, her nights preparing to return to the stage... Fujichio is distinguished, evidenced by her diction, her upright posture, her beautiful kimonos, of which there is a different one in each scene. But when Honda frames her face next to a devilish Hanya mask, uh, so I guess, Tom, there might be a little bit to, um, you know, the mask she wears and everything, like you suggested... Uh, It suggests another side to her personality. Later, Fujichio unashamedly bribes reluctant musicians and openly but quietly shows disdain for the cops. Fujichio wants nothing more than a return to the stage, and it's impossible to know whether she accepts the Vapor Man's help, even after learning of his crimes out of love or selfishness or both. This moral ambiguity creates one of Honda's most interesting and complex, if somewhat unsympathetic, female characters." Um, and I agree with that. I, I think that, I, I just think that this movie just, it gives you a lot to think about in terms of the characters and they're complex. They're complex. Um, I think that maybe Matango and maybe the original Godzilla you can make an argument for, but along with those, if not even more so, I think this, I think they're the most complex characters in any of his movies. Um, and yeah, you you just don't get that that a lot with with these films. And um, yeah, it's a wonderful movie, and it, it's a damn shame no one's released it here in the states. Um, there was an American version which uh, re-edited the thing to to hell. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but basically, the American version, the first five minutes are Mizuno telling the cops his backstory. And then it cuts about 13 minutes overall. Um, so, I mean, the the whole mystery and the whole, like, impact of him 
coming forward and revealing this backstory in the middle of the movie is lost. Um, and it's just edited really strange. Like, uh, one part's edited where there's a cop talking to a guy, a security guy at the bank, but then for some reason they re-edit it, so, uh, the same security guard is getting killed. Like, it, 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 it interchanges parts from a scene where the security guard's talking to a cop and a part where he's getting killed. So he's basically in the same place at two times. It's, it's not a, <laughs> it's, as far as American re-edits go, it's not a very good one. Although, um, I know that, uh, Suchia really li- kind of liked the American version because it did push him to the forefront a little bit more. Um, and I guess one of the, the actors that dubbed his voice was like a really well-known voice actor, but, but yeah, I, I would, Watch the Japanese version if if you have a a, pref- a choice. If you find the movie and you have a choice between the two, um, it's excellent. And um, yeah, so uh, like I guess how many um, how many torched vapor men do you give this one out of five? Five. Okay. Um, I think. I think if not for if the if the kabuki dance or the no dance had been just a, a little bit shorter, it, it feels like it goes on for just a tad too long. Um, and that's really one of the only that's one of the only scenes that feels like it's uh, it, it's it drags. Um, I think I, I would give it a five. I'm I'm really close, but um, I think I just for me personally, I need like. I need just something else to kind of connect me to it. You know, like maybe that, that cultural significance, something. Um, but I'm at a four and a half out of five. Okay. Uh, I think I used to be around a four or a four and a half, but on this last rewatch, I just soaked it in and just loved every minute of it. So uh, I'm going to do it. I'm, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and do a five. Um, it's great. Uh, and the the human vapor at one point there was a sequel proposed that was uh, the human vapor versus Frankenstein, um, where I guess for whatever reason Mizuno ended up surviving, and he I think the story was that he brought Fujichio's body to a descendant of Doctor Frankenstein to bring to life. Huh. Um, but. Uh, this movie, I, I, I don't think it did that well at the box office, although it was really well received critically. Um, and still, I think in Japan is kind of considered to be one of the better Honda movies. Um, but yeah, um, also it was turned into a stage production, which actually had, uh, had starred Kumi Mizuno, um, of all people. Uh, that was in the early 2000s, I think, so... It has a little bit of legs, at least over there. Um, here, ain't no one ever heard of this. Although, I, I do remember, probably again in the early 2000s, I don't remember what channel it was, but some channel uh, played it on TV, and it was hosted by uh, Quentin Tarantino, who's a huge Ishiro Honda fan. Um, and, like, I guess, in between breaks, he would kind of have little segments where he'd talk about it. Uh, I... I if, if if that happened now, it would be all over YouTube, but this was right before that, so I, I don't know where that exists, but if anyone out there has or could point me to the Quentin Tarantino host segments for The Human Vapor, I would definitely love to see it. Um, 
so yeah, those that is the mutant trilogy. Um, it is worth noting, yeah, the, the this movie was originally written in the late fifties, and it was proposed as the third mutant movie, which I guess at the time it would have been, I think, like the only other movies that would qualify would be like their Invisible Man and Half Human. So, so yeah, I think Toho kind of considers all their you know human sized monster kind of movies part of like this mutant line. Probably going up to Matango. Um, I will say, if if you guys haven't seen it, or if anyone listening hasn't seen it, and you do like these movies, one movie that was a deliberate attempt to kind of do a new version of this was uh, Shusuke Kaneko's uh, movie Pyrokinesis that Toho did um, in the early 2000s, right before GMK. Um, but uh, it's 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 based on a novel, but Kaneko says in the DVD commentary that it's kind of, in his mind, it's his version of uh, a Toho mutant movie. And, uh, in fact, the the girl in it who, you know, she can mentally light things on fire, when she uses her power, she does the same gesture that Mizuno does where he puts his hand over his heart. So um, that's a cool movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I know that um, maybe next October when we get into Kaneko's more horror uh matt and i we're going to we're considering it this year for october but we do want to do an episode about his more horror oriented movies so um at some point we'll be talking about that one but but no man mutants they're all the rage i guess are they dirty muties <laughs> yeah <laughs> muties <laughs> man i love uh, that cartoon yeah um so yeah, I mean, uh, these I I would re- definitely recommend all these movies, um, especially if you like the Toho stuff. They're they're really good. Yeah. Uh, just because the monsters aren't gigantic and surrounded by miniature buildings doesn't mean they're not cool. So I recommend. Yeah, them. and is is the is the collection where H Man exit is that still in print or no? I'm pretty sure it is because I think those were put out by Sony and I think those are titles that they I don't think their rights expire because they inherited them from Columbia. So it's not like how um how for example like Media Blasters or whoever like their rights can expire. I think they have them basically in uh forever. But yeah, I mean, it's in a set with uh, Mothra and Battle in Outer Space, and these days I've seen it really cheap. Like I've seen it for like five, six bucks. And, it's uh, right now you can get it on Amazon for nine ninety six. Yeah, if if you don't have that set, go get it. It's called Icons of Sci Fi, the Toho Collection. You get um, the American and Japanese versions of uh, Mothra, Battle in Outer Space, and the H Man. And Mothra and Battle both have commentaries that are really informative. Um, it's it's a steal. Um, so, uh, all right, yeah. Uh, Matt, do you have any, what are your closing thoughts on uh, the, the Toho mutants? Yeah, man, they're, they're, they're all worth watching. That's my, my closing statement. <laughs> all right, well, I guess that wraps it up. Uh, I do want to plug an event that a friend of mine has in New York. Um, that is Chris Olio, who is an organizer for the Ifukube concerts. Um, and it is Godzilla Day at a place called Comic Book Jones. It's an all-day event on October 25th. In attendance will be also uh, IDW Godzilla comic artist Jeff Zornow and Steve Rifle, co-author of uh, Ishiro Honda, A Life in Film. 
uh, and he will be giving a presentation and doing a signing. And his book is wonderful, by the way. Uh, I, I, I couldn't put it down. Um, so, yeah, uh, I just wanted to do that because Chris is a friend, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a good time. So uh, I guess we will um, see you next time with more uh, spooky, uh, spooktacular creatures. <laughs> <laughs> so good night. Boo. Yeah, boo. Good night, and uh, uh, we will see you next time. <laughs>